Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. What a wonderful song. I pray that's what you're doing this morning, turning your eyes to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, what did He do? He endured the cross, despising the shame for you and for me. What a Savior, amen? Man, what a blessing it is to be in the Lord's house this morning. And uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. And uh, man, a number of things taking place. I just want to encourage you to look around, look to your left, look to your right. And right there, if you look to your left and you look to your right, you can find someone to pray for. Right now. Because everyone needs the prayers that we offer up to the throne of God's grace. And uh, listen, we have many who have uh, been in the hospital, those who have had surgeries. We're thankful that Brother Dodd was able to come home uh, from VCU Hospital. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. And yeah, you can, you can give the Lord a clan ha uh, hand clap. Uh, he is home uh, with his son and uh, beginning the next step of his recovery. Uh, I was blessed to be able to visit yesterday uh, afternoon, late afternoon, up at Georgetown University Hospital, the MedStar Hospital up in Washington, D.C., with Vicki Wilcox, and, and I pray that visit was an encouragement to her, it was an encouragement to me, continue to pray for her. She was having a, uh, a CAT scan this morning, and they're going to continue uh, to talk about what are the next steps for her uh, uh, health there, and... Uh, they had tried to do the surgery the other day, and, and so they may go back in to uh, do that surgery tomorrow or Tuesday. And so we just need to continue to pray for one another. There's so many others, uh, uh, but it is good to see each and every one of you in the Lord's house today. Amen? And uh, if you're keeping count, uh, this morning is week number 10. Week number 10, if you can believe it, in our series entitled Faith for Today. And we've been saying, listen... It's okay to have faith tomorrow, and it's okay to have had faith yesterday, but we need it right now. We need it today for the things that we face and the things that we're going through. And so I pray, I really pray that this series has been a blessing to you, an encouragement to you. But listen, as always, I don't just want it to be a blessing, and I don't want it just to be an encouragement. Man, I hope you've been challenged, challenged by what God's Word has had to say. And, and uh, Lord willing, we will uh, conclude... We will conclude our series uh, from Hebrews chapter 11 next week. And uh, I, I knock on wood because sometimes I'll say that on Wednesday night. Lord willing, we're going to get through this Bible study and everybody will just laugh because they know that there's probably no chance we're going to get through it, right? And that's okay. We take what the Lord gives us. And then two weeks from now, I do want to remind you, two weeks from now, we will be celebrating uh, the 43rd anniversary of Battlefield Baptist Church. Isn't that amazing? 43 years right here in Warrington. Yeah, God bless you. And uh, I want to encourage you to be inviting your friends. There are a number of uh, uh, invites out at the front desk. Help us out. By the way, 
You can scan that QR code on the invite and register you and your family and your friends that will be joining. Do, do you all have any friends? I pray, I pray that you have some friends. Invite them to come to church with you, right? Friends don't let friends worship alone. And so invite your friends to be with you. But you can use that QR code on the invite to actually register right there on your phone, you and your entire family, for the meal that will take place right after. And we would really need you to do that so that we don't buy too much turkey. Right? Uh, otherwise, we're going to have a lot of leftovers. So let's uh, help us out with that. Now, let's, uh, throughout our time in chapter 11 of Hebrews, God's Word has been teaching us all about faith. By, and the way that it does it, we started in verse number 1 and we see what faith is, but then we began looking at what faith does. And so uh, the Word of God has given us a series of examples that literally highlights uh, all the different aspects of the fruit that faith produces. And remember, we've talked about faith as this fruit tree, and the idea is that faith actually produces fruit. And uh, we've looked at all the examples of ordinary people. You know that this Bible is filled with ordinary people just like you and me? Do, do you know that? It's just ordinary people. People like Abel, just an ordinary guy. People like Enoch, one of my favorites, he walked with God. So we've been looking at Folks like Enoch and Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And, and last week we looked at the incredible story of Moses. And so if you're keeping track, you might think, well, all right, now we're going to talk about Joshua. You would be wrong. You would be wrong. Listen, there's a lot we could learn from Joshua. And, and certainly Joshua exercised some extraordinary faith. Uh, by the power of God that worked in his life. I mean, think about his life as one of the representatives of Moses he sent into the land. You remember he sent him initially into the land to spy out the land. And they come out, the 12 spies, they come out and, and they're like, oh my gosh, they're carrying the grapes of Eshcol. They're, they're like marching in like the, you know, oh, oh, oh. And they come in and they've got all of these abundant stories and they're talking about, surely it's a land that floweth with milk and honey. But 10 of the spices, but you don't understand. There's giants in that land. We can't go in there. We're like grasshoppers. Thankfully, it was Joshua and Caleb who said, listen, no, we're well able to go. God has given us the land. Let's get up from here and go. But you understand the story from the people's doubt and disobedience. They, they stayed out in the wilderness for 40 years. But we could talk about Joshua's faith even as he was sent in. We could talk about his faith as he eventually led the children of Israel into the promised land. Or how, I mean it didn't make sense, but how he led people to walk around Jericho time after time after time. Until he waited and waited for God's power to call, to cause the walls of Jericho to fall down. And so Joshua's faith stands out a lesson that we could all learn. We could... Look at that. However, today, I want you to draw your attention to verse number 31. Because we're not going to talk about what Joshua did today. I want us to draw our attention to what a lady by the name of Rahab did today. So look with me in verse number 31. And we find that Scripture says very quickly and succinctly, it says that by faith, notice these words, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for 
your word. We thank you for the fact that we can gather as a family, as a church family, that we can lift our petitions before your throne and know that we have that which we desire. And so, Lord, I pray now that your word would go forth and accomplish exactly that thing. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, somebody here in this room or watching online, that today through the preaching of your word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, you would draw them unto yourself where they might by faith call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Lord, I pray also for the believer who may have, have ceased to walk with you, Maybe, maybe they're, they're struggling to exercise faith in the moment in which they find themselves in right now. God, I pray that they would receive strength, just as Sarah did, that they would receive strength today. They would receive power from you. God, that they would continue to walk by faith. Lord, I pray now most of all that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because, God, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And so, Lord, it is my desire to please you and only you. And I'll give you the praise for what you do in advance. For it's in Jesus' precious and powerful name that we pray. And for his sake, amen and amen. Well, if you look here again as we get started, one of the things that I just want to say from the outset, it's important to note that Rahab is not a descendant of Abraham. Okay, she's not a descendant of Abraham, so the reality is she is not one of God's people at this point, so to speak. And so when, when, when we think about the life of Rahab, the reality is that this woman, uh, she was uh, at some point, she was living her life in not a very righteous way. Let's just put it mildly there, not a very righteous way. She was a Canaanite woman who manufactured and dyed linen. And in Joshua chapter 2, in verse number 1, the Bible states that uh, as a harlot, uh, that she was a harlot. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on that distinction. The fact that even the writer of Hebrews says this, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that distinction. But the reality or the bottom line is that at some point in Rahab's life, she had lived the life of a harlot or was known, in the grander sense, she was known as a prostitute. Now, you say, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because the reality is the writer of Hebrews, even though he says the harlot Rahab, she's not being remembered because she was a harlot. She's actually being remembered because she exercised some good old faith. Hello? But let me just stop here, and I digress just for a second. The writer of Hebrews refers to her as the harlot Rahab. Can I just suggest that our reputations are hard to get rid of? That's a different message altogether. Travis will probably preach it at some point, right? We talked about it. I said, you need to preach that message. It's a, two, it's a double series. Next week, you're going to preach that next week. Yeah, and so the reality is, guys, here's, the, here's our reputation sometimes precede us, which is why we should let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Amen. So we find here that she's not being remembered as a harlot. Look at verse 31. She's being remembered as the example of genuine faith that she had. And, and it's an example that you and I can take a hold of and learn something today. And so her story is found in Joshua chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, hold your spot there in Hebrews chapter 11. But turn back to Joshua chapter 2. And uh, in my Bible, that's on page 158. 
And so that'll get you close, amen? Get back to Joshua chapter 2, because I, we're going to walk through a little bit, and you can kind of walk through with me very quickly. We're going to look and see a little bit of our story this morning. And what we find is that just prior to returning to the promised land, if you even begin in Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1, just prior to entering the promised land, Joshua sends out two spies. He said, here we go again with the spies. He sends out a couple of spies to go into the land and even the city of Jericho to spy it out. And, and really he's sending them out on an intelligence, uh, uh, fact-finding intelligence mission. And so if you look, uh, when the men arrive in, in verse number 1, the men arrive here in Jericho, the reality is that they lodge with Rahab, not because of her distinction as a harlot, but because it's evident from the text that she's also using her home as an inn or a place of lodging. And so look at verse number 2. In verse number 2 we read how the word spreads to the king of Jericho. By the way, news spreads quickly, doesn't it? You know what spreads quicker than good news? Bad news, right? So somebody sees these jokers come into the city. They also see that they go to Rahab's house, and they immediately run, and they tell the king of Jericho, they say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We got some spies. The children of Israel have sent some spies into the land. We got to get them. And so if you look at the text, it's obvious that God's people are on the move They've sent the spies in the land, so it's not hard to figure out what they're doing in the city. And so the king, uh, he sends his men, look in the text, he sends his men down to Rahab's home. And, he inor and, and the reason he sends them, he says, hey, you need to get down there and you tell Rahab to give me those men. Send those men under my authority, take those men back. And so if you look in verse number four and following, the men, they arrive uh, they arrived at Rahab's house, and by the time that they arrived, though, she's taking those men. Now watch what's going on. She takes the men, and she hides them up on the roof. First of all, I start asking, why is she hiding these guys? We'll ask that here in just a second. But she takes the guys, and she hides them up on the rooftop. And look at verse and verses 4 and following. Because the Bible reveals that Rahab sends these men, the king's men, if you please, she sends them on a wild goose chase. And as soon as they depart her home, verse number 7 says this. It tells us this, that the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Now, if you look back in verse number 5, you'll know that Rahab, in her story to the men, she says, it was about the time that they were going to shut the gates. She's like, oh yeah, the men came unto me, but, but they're gone. And it was about the time that they were going to shut the city gates. And so if you hurry, she's telling them, you can catch them. And so the reality is, in verse number 7, they take off and they go on this wild goose chase, chasing the men who are actually hidden on the roof. Now, I know some of you wise guys are going to say, she's a liar. We're not talking about her lying right now. We're talking about her faith. God doesn't excuse our lying. But she's remembered as a woman of faith in this passage. And so we have to watch. So in verse number 7, they head out. So here's the deal. As soon as they leave, the gate's shut. And so now, here's what we find. The whole city of Jericho is on lockdown. Nobody in and nobody out. Uh-oh. The spies now have a problem. They're caught in Rahab's house. How are they going to get out? Oh, could have had a V8. Do you think it was a coincidence that Rahab's house is built on the edge of the city on the wall? 
Do you think it surprised God that that's where her home was? Do you think it surprised him that he caused those men, those, men, those spies, to go to Rahab's house and sit on the city wall? Because here's the reality. Look at verse number 15. If you jump down to verse number 15, the Bible actually says that her house was upon or built upon the wall. So one side of the house faces the city, right? And the other side of the house faces out over the countryside. Perfectly positioned. By the way, isn't that what God does all the time? Perfectly positioned, right on time, never late. Listen, his ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. He, he's got these guys exactly where they need to be, right? For such a time as this, they're exactly where they need to be. And he intervenes and he provides this place so that she, look at verse number 15 again. She literally lets them down by a cord through the window. So the city's on lockdown, no one in, no one out. How the guys get away, she says, guess what? I got a window that overlooks the countryside. So as soon as those jokers, the king's men are gone, once they're out of sight, I'm gonna shimmy shim you down on a thread down to the outer courtyard there in the countryside and you can hide up in the mountains and you can take cover for a few days. Oh, there's all kind of imagery through this text. Uh, you hide for a few days and then when, when the coast is clear, you can go tell Joshua, what's going on? So my question is, why did Rahab do this? Why did the harlot Rahab, who's running an inn, she's a manufacturer and a dyer of linen, of linen why, why would she do this? Why would she show more loyalty to the two complete strangers than she would her own king in the moment that her king sent and said, listen, I need you to turn those jokers over to us because they've come here to search out the land. Why would she do that? The reality is that I believe Rahab sees that there's a great conflict about to take place and she is faced with a choice. She says, listen, I'm either going to hand these guys over to the king's men or I need to help these guys. I'm faced with a choice and so what choice do we make? Can I tell you? Faith, watch this, and it's not even in my notes. Faith always, always, always stands on the side of God. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ always stands on the side of God. No matter what the media tells you, no matter what the world tells you, no matter what the joker at the water cooler tells you, faith always stands with God and faith always stands with God's people. This is what Ruth is doing, or this is what Rahab is doing. Ruth, oh, that's a different story too. This is what Rahab is doing. Look back at verse number 31 because the faith of Rahab is rewarded. Watch this. It's rewarded because she commits herself to God. And not only does she commit herself to God, she commits herself to God's people. Look at verse 31. It says, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not. She did not die with all of the others in Jericho. Destruction is about to fall on Jericho. But the Bible says by faith she did not perish with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. It's amazing to see in Joshua chapter 2 that although Rahab's knowledge, watch this, although her knowledge about God would have been very limited as a Canaanite, as an Amorite, her knowledge about God is limited 
that didn't stop her from knowing enough to exercise faith. You may be here this morning, you may be watching, and you may be saying, I really don't know a lot about God. Can I tell you, he knows a lot about you. All you need to know is that he loves you. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. For you. He placed himself on that cross. He, he took the full wrath of the Father on himself to pay the price that you and I could never pay. That's what you need to know. You say, I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs. All you need to know is that God loves you, Jesus loves you, and he died for your sins. And you need to know that by faith, he can be your savior. Oh, yes. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Oh, listen, Christmas time's coming. And you know, I get more joy out of giving gifts. And I think our Heavenly Father gets a lot of joy out of giving the greatest gift that could ever be offered to man. And that's the gift of eternal life and forgiveness and salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you've never trusted Him, trust Him. That's not even in my notes. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, what a day the Lord has made. And we see the story of Rahab. So what does she know? You said, Pastor, her knowledge is limited, but you said she had enough faith, to, uh, 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 she believed enough to exercise some faith. So what is it that this woman knew? Here it is very quickly, and I mean rapid fire. So if you're going to take notes, maybe you take a picture of the screen, whatever. Here it is, rapid fire. Number one, uh, Rahab knew uh, who God was. You say, where do you get that from? Well, look in verse number 11 of Joshua chapter 2. She knows who God is because in verse number 11, she declares, For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and earth beneath. Now, notice in my Bible, the Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Lord, capital. Anybody know what she's saying right there? She's using the exact name. Watch this. This is a woman who doesn't know a lot, but she knows enough. She's using the exact name that God gave to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 14. When, he said, when Moses said, hey, I can't say anything. I don't have the voice to say. God said, just be quiet. Who am I going to tell him that's coming? Who, 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 who's sending me? He said, you tell him that I am, that I am sent you. You tell him that I am sent you. So guess what Rahab's saying? She says, look at verse 11 again. She says, for the great I am, the Lord your God, the great I am, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. So she refers to him in verse number 9, verse number 10, verse number 11, and verse number 12. She's referring to the Lord as the great I am. Oh, what a savior. She knew enough to know who God was. Oh, she knew enough to believe that God of these spies was the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. Therefore, she knew ultimately that Jericho was about to come a blip on the map. She knows enough to know that you don't mess with the God of these two spies. She said, I know that your God is God in heaven and he is also God of the earth. Is that who our God is today? Oh, yes, we can be more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. She also knew this. She also knew what God had done. Look at verse number 10. Not only does she know who God is, but she knows what he's done. In verse number 10, she says to the men, she says, For we have heard. 
Didn't I tell you just a moment ago that the only thing that passes quicker than good news is bad news? But at least she got the good news as well. Because in verse number 10, she says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Evidently, the word had gotten into these Canaanite communities that the God of the Israelites had broke open the Red Sea and let them pass through as on dry ground. And then not only did God break up the Red Sea and let them walk as dry ground, as soon as they got through, he released the waters and he stopped those who were pursuing them from pursuing any further. Oh, she knew. She knew who God was. She knew what God had done. But also I see... She, not only had she heard that the winds and the waves obey God, she also, we see from verse number 9, that she also knew what God was about to do. She knew who God was, what he had done, and what he's about to do. In verse number 9, she says, I know, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Uh-oh. I know that the God of heaven and earth the God that we heard about broke open the Red Sea for you. I know that he has given you this land. It's already, the, the word is spread evidently. That God has already given you this land. And so, uh, and you, so Rahab, she's still a part of, remember, she's still a part of a culture and a people who are very evil. But she's telling these men these things. I know. I've heard, we've heard about it. And, and listen, all of these things, I know who God is. I know what he's done and I know what he's about to do. And so what takes place next? Well, she determines to help these men. And the Lord had already determined that one day the land would be destroyed. You say, well, where do you get that? You remember a few weeks ago when we were talking about Abraham and whatnot. And we went back to Genesis chapter 15. And we were actually talking about Jacob and, and J Joseph as well. And God had told Abram in Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 14, he said, listen, they're going to be caught up in the land and they're going to be there for 400 years. Well, you keep reading because when you get to verse number 16, God tells Abraham, he says, but in the fourth generation, he says, in the fourth generation, he says, they shall come hither again. So the first part, he's still talking to Abraham about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. But in the last part, notice what it says. It says, for the iniquity uh -oh, of the Amorites is not yet full. You know what that made me do? It made me pause when I read that. Because I wonder how much longer is it going to be till the iniquity of the United States of America is full. Because this last part, he's talking about these Canaanites. He's talking about exactly what's getting ready to go on in Jericho. He says, hey, 400 years, they're going to come back hither. That's the King James word uh, for they're coming back here. They're going to come out of that land. He said, but guess what? The Amorites, their sin is not yet full. So in mercy, watch this. In mercy, God gives them 400 years to either get right or get out. As an Ammonite or Amorite, excuse me, or a Canaanite woman, Rahab knew, either by way of some tradition, and that's a word that has been spoken, a story, a, a you know, kind of a, 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 a statement. Just as she said, we had heard about God. 
had opened up the Red Sea. That was, that was voiced, that was shared throughout the known world. It, she either knew by tradition or she knew by direct revelation that her city was marked. It was a marked city because of its wickedness. And when the fullness of its wickedness comes, she knows that God is going to bring judgment. And so she's exercising faith. And so we see from Rahab's life story, we're reminded that her faith rested on who God was, what God had done, and what God was going to do. And by faith, you and I can rest as well today. Amen? Oh, we can rest on who God is. He is God of very God, the God of heaven and earth. There is no other God beside him. Amen? He's the first, the last, the beginning and the end. Oh, the great I am. Woo! We could get excited about who God is, could we not? Somebody please get excited about who God is in this place today. We also know what God has done, don't we? We know that he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, we know what he's done. He sent his son Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins. We know what he has done. He has made a way when there is no way. We know what he's done. He's the great and the good and the mighty shepherd of our souls. That's what he is. Oh, we know who God is. We know what he has done. But I got news for you. I know what he's going to do. <laughs> and I say it all the time. Sometimes these old legs and feet get to get in a little happy dance. Some of y'all are going to be wide-eyed when you get to heaven. Y'all are going to be like... Y'all going to be like, that preacher was right. I know what he's going to do. He's going to bring all justice. He's going to put down evil once and for all. He's going to cast it in the lake of fire forever. Oh, it's coming. Soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the former things will be passed away. All things will be made new. Oh, I know what he's going to do. I know who he is. I know what he's done. Oh, I ought to be excited today. Maybe I'll get excited. Y'all pray for me. Rahab's faith, think about it, her faith is pretty simple. I'm not calling her a simple woman, don't go out of here, he called her simple. No, I didn't. I said her faith was pretty simple. She didn't have any Bible. She didn't have a pastor. She didn't have a a church house full of friends who know and serve and worship the Lord. She didn't have any encouragement from anybody. She's known in her community as a harlot. I don't believe at this point in this story that she's a harlot. Faith has already come. She's already a woman of faith when the spies show up. She's ready to receive the spies. Why do you think God sent them to Rahab anyway? You don't think God's confused? She's already, that, that, that lifestyle's gone. That, that junk's in the past. And guess what? I'm going to say it at the end, but I'll say it right now too. Our past needs to stay exactly where Rahab's past stayed. In the past. And by God's grace, it can. Her faith is simple. 
She literally knows that there's a great God in heaven and earth. She knows that this great God is bringing judgment. And she chooses by faith because she knows that God is with his people. She chooses by faith. Listen, I'm going to commit myself to God and I'm going to commit myself to God's people. That's what Rahab does. And I get it. Anybody in this room or watching ever have questions? Maybe you got some questions this morning. Because I don't know about you, but there are many times where I sit alone and I say, God, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why? Why? Why are your children, why are your children suffering? Why are they afflicted? Why is there sickness? Why is there pain? Why, why, why? And we can say the why question all we want. And I'm sure Rahab had many occasions to say why. Why am I in the city of Jericho? God had a plan. Oh, you're in Jericho because you're going to be a part of the plan, Rahab. I'm not sure she knew it before it happened, but when it started happening, she knew it. And she believed and trusted God. Out of the abundance of her heart, in verses 9, 10, and 11, for out of the abundance of her heart, the mouth spoke. Look at the depth of her commitment. Hold your spot. Look, look back at Hebrews 11 again, Hebrews eleven thirty one. 31. We see the depth of her commitment. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. Look at the last part. When. I underline the word when. When. when by faith, the harlot. When. When she had received the spies with peace. The evidence and the proof of Rahab's faith is revealed in how she receives these two representatives from God. And the reality is that we've been saying over and over like a broken record. Faith believes what God has revealed and faith trusts what God has promised. And so this is literally what faith does. And so she believes so fervently of what God, who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. She believes that with the core of her being that it compels her to exercise her faith by receiving these spies in peace. For Rahab, the fruit of her faith led to her commitment of herself to God and to his people. When speaking about how faith without works is dead... James actually uses Rahab as one of his uh, finest examples, if you please. In James chapter 2 and verse 25, he, here's what he says. He says, likewise also was not Rahab the harlot. Look, even James still calling her Rahab the harlot. You know what? By the way, folks, I just think God doesn't want there to be any confusion of who they're talking about. This woman of faith. And he says... Likewise, also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? We talked about this briefly in Sunday school as I made a comment. When she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Well, so you have James say, wasn't she justified by her works? And then the Apostle Paul, he says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1, he says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So James speaks of Rahab's faith as, as Rahab being justified by works, while Paul's message was one of justification by faith. And so the question that we ask are, are these guys confused? Are they confused? No. No, they're just using the word justified in two different ways. Paul is talking about a declaration that is made on the behalf of everyone who is in Christ. When we trust Christ by faith, we are being made justified as if we never sinned. Isn't that good? 
But James is using the word justified as a demonstration of a person's faith. Remember, he said, faith without works is dead. We don't work to be saved, but guess what? I got good news for you. The love of Christ constrains us. If we're in Christ, we're going to be serving Christ. We're going to be living for Christ. And Hebrews chapter 11 goes along with us. In other words, faith is revealed. This is what James is saying. Faith is revealed by what it does. And I know somebody says, well, I don't like what, you know, all this talk about do, do, do and what it does and everything. I got news for y'all. Even the thief on the cross exercised faith. What does his faith do? You remember in Luke 23 and verse number 42, what did he say? He said, Jesus, Lord. What did he say, Jesus, Lord? He said, remember me. He had enough faith in that moment to believe that they were criticizing the very Son of God. He said, Jesus. He said, Lord. He said, just remember me. When you come into your kingdom, even the thief on the cross did something with his faith. Oh, listen, don't be afraid of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Hebrews 11 agrees. Paul would say that it was by faith that Rahab did not perish. She believed who God was, what God had done, and what God was going to do. And by faith, she was saved. And I agree with Paul. James, he would say that the evidence of Rahab's faith was that it was genuine in the fact that, it, it, uh, that she welcomed these spies and she did what she could do for the spies, God's people. I would say James is also correct. You see, Rahab's commitment to God and his people, it continued beyond this moment. Look over back in Joshua and flip over a couple pages to Joshua chapter 6 because now you're going to get the end of the story here. You see, after the destruction of Jericho, in verse number 25 of Joshua chapter 6, the Bible tells us that Rahab actually lives in Israel. In fact, it says to this day, she, you know, that at that time that she was continuing to live in Israel. And so she was with the uh, children of God. And so what's interesting to me is that before Rahab lowers the spies, remember, I told you in verse number 15, it says she shimmies them down out through the window into the countryside, through a window that's facing the countryside, but before she does that, the Bible tells us back in chapter 2, look back with me, in verse number 12, notice what she does. She says, hey, I need you guys to take an oath. Okay, the harlot Rahab is calling God's children to take an oath. But notice what she does in taking this oath. She says, now therefore I pray you, swear unto me, watch these next three words, by who? Say it again, by who? She says, you swear unto me in the name of the great I am. You swear by the name of I am that I am. I'm, making, I'm asking you to make a commitment right here. Watch what she does. She says, you better swear to me right here, and you better do it in the name of the Lord. Watch. Since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house. Her immediate thought is for her father's house. And give me a true token, verse 13, and that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brethren or my brothers, and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So Rahab's faith, watch this, her faith believes that a promise with God's name attached to it Watch this. Her faith believes that a promise with God's name attached to it would be a promise that is kept by God's people. 
there's something there for us to chew on. If you make a promise, you make a vow to God, you make a promise or a commitment to someone, there's something right there for us to chew on because Rahab believed that a promise made in the name of the Lord, in the name of Almighty God, was a promise that would be kept. And so, I encourage us to chew on that a little while, right? Look, look at verse number 17. So notice their response. Verse number 17, And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Verse number 18, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread. Uh-oh, the thread that she let them down by was the color scarlet. Does that have a picture to anybody? You remember the, the, the Israelites there in Egypt and what were they told? They were told to paint the what? And that the terror of the Lord would pass over them. Here these guys say, hey, listen, you bind this scarlet thread. And you say, how do I know it's the same thread? Because the Bible tells me so. That the same thread that you're going to let us down, you bind it up in the window. The fact that it's scarlet, I think, has a meaning for us here. He says, you, you shall bind the line of scarlet thread in the window which thou did let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's house home unto thee. In verse number 19, and it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of the house into the street, his blood shall be on his head. So in other words, the promise, the commitment is only made for those who come into the house. Only those that are in the house with you. And he says, he says it'll be on his head and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head and any hand, if any hand be on him. So the promise is clear. Tie the scarlet cord in the window and anyone who's in your house will be saved. And verse uh, number 21, if you look at it, tells us that's exactly what she did. By faith, she trusted that God would cause his people to honor the vow that they were making in the name of the Lord. Put out the side of my notes like Rahab. May God help us to be concerned about the eternal safety of our family members. To be concerned about our family members. It was a Philippian jailer. He said, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house not only can you be saved, but your whole house can be saved. And so Rahab's concerned, and, and I don't know about you, but can you imagine Rahab says, Hey, Dad, Mom, you need to come on over. Sissy and brother, you need to come on over, and we're going to have Thanksgiving a little bit early and bring anything that you want to keep with you, and you need to bring it into the house. And can you imagine her dad saying, Woman, have you gone crazy? Ray said, no, you've got to come. You've got to trust me on this one, Dad. Come on into the house. Come on. you got to watch this. You got to exercise enough faith to come to the house too, Dad. I can only imagine what they were thinking, right? Because her house sits on the on the edge, one way looking into the city, the other looking over the countryside. Can you imagine what her family thought as they look out, as they peer out the window, and they see Joshua and the people marching around the city? You think, you, you think people started getting nervous? Or do you think they were laughing? You see, I think that if... We, we always kind of think about it in, in childlike terms when we tell the story of Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. 
But I kind of feel like if Rahab knew what was going down, some other people knew as well. I believe there was fear and terror. In fact, the Bible says that the people melted. Look at verse 21, back over to Joshua 6. Joshua 26, look what takes place. We gotta wrap it up. Scripture tells us beginning in verse number 21, here it is. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she has as you swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and they brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred. And then if you drop down to verse number 25 the Bible says that Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had and so what do we take away from the story of Rahab's faith who perished not with them who did not believe but she welcomed these spies in such a way that communicated her faith in God here's a few takeaways number one God's grace covers real sin God's grace covers real sin there's no doubt that Rahab lived an immoral life, but at some point by faith she believed who God was, what he had revealed, what he, was done, what he had done, and what he was going to do. And so she begins to trust God in her life. God's grace was sufficient for her, and I can assure you that God's grace is more than sufficient for whatever you and I are facing today. Jesus said, for God so loved the world. I've already communicated it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He continued by saying, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him, Jesus, might be saved. This was God's plan from the very foundation of the world. James 4 and verse number 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Listen, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're facing this morning. But if you're not a believer or even if you are a believer, I can tell you the only one who will meet your need is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Verse 8 goes on and says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify yourselves. Listen, we don't like to talk about that, but that's what God's word says. He says, draw nigh to me. I want to draw nigh to you. I want to, I want to live in fellowship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I proved it. I proved my love by sending my son to die for your sin. Oh, may God help us to draw nigh by faith and repentance, as I said, so that our past, just like Rahab, stays right where it belongs in the past. As a child of God, you need to know that you are loved you're a believer you need to know you're loved you need to know that you've been chosen before the foundation of the world you've been forgiven you've been adopted oh we have a heavenly father you say my earthly father wasn't that great well get i got good news you got a heavenly father that's much better right oh we've been adopted we've been accepted in the blood in the beloved we've been sealed by the holy spirit of promise oh yes we've been sealed watch We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise by the same God that we sang about a little while ago that Rahab knew and believed in. Oh yes, Ephesians 1 verse number 7 tells us that in Christ we have, we have redemption through his blood, 
forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. Where? At Calvary. Some of y'all don't know that song. Oh, but what a great song. Do you want to know why? Because God's grace, God's grace covers real sin. Secondly, God's grace offers real hope. Rahab could have given in to the world. She could have even given in to the king of Jericho. But by faith, she believed in God. And in that, she rested and had real hope. For Rahab, faith in God was the doorway. It was the doorway, I think I said this in Sunday school, to a new life, to a very new life and a very different lifestyle. Hey, do you know the same is true for us? Jesus is still the doorway to a new life and a very different lifestyle. You say, do I got to change? No, you ain't changing nothing. He'll do the changing. But like a lot of people say, I got to change. Hey, pastor, I'm going to trust Jesus when I get to be 65. No, you won't. I'm going to serve the Lord when I retire one day. No, you won't. <laughs> Jesus is the doorway. Oh, we have a wonderful, wonderful shepherd. In fact, in John chapter 10 and verse number 7 and following, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. All these other jokers, he said, are thieves and robbers. He said, but the sheep did not hear them. He said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he should be saved and go in and out and find pasture. He said, the thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior we serve. If you've never exercised faith by calling upon the name of the Lord, for the forgiveness of sin and everlasting life, do it today. Say that again, Herb. Do it again. Do it today. Because you want to know what I know? Because I've seen a few things. I've been down the road a time or two. Do you know what I know? Is that Scripture is accurate when it says, Boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know what else I know? And these aren't scare tactics. This is God's Word. This isn't scare tactic. This is God's word to try and arrest the, the desire to serve God, the, 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 to exercise faith in our life. The, the Bible says that our life's like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I was communicating with somebody from high school the other day and I, I, I texted them a happy birthday message and they responded and they said, oh man, praise the Lord, I hope you're doing well and every and on and on and on. And my response was, yes, Kristen and I are doing just jiffy, jiffy, jiffy. We're doing great. But I said, you know, the more I look at things, the faster time keeps moving. This is a high school friend. I remember when I looked like that and they looked like that. We don't look like that anymore. Second Corinthians chapter 6 makes it abundantly clear. The Bible says, behold, now, now is the accepted time. Now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Oh yes, Romans 15, 13 tells us that only the God of hope, only the God of hope fills us with joy and peace. How? In believing. God's grace offers real hope. And then lastly, God's grace brings real change. The Canaanite, the harlot, Rahab, was brought, watch this. She's brought... And just like you and I, 
she was grafted in to God's family. She's brought in, if you please. She's grafted in a Canaanite, an Amorite, a woman, a wicked woman who lived a life of idolatry. She, she's grafted, she's brought into the family of God by faith. Isn't that what the Bible says? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's what the Bible says. You think about Rahab's life. She marries old Salmon. 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 I was thinking of Barry Yates. He's always bringing us fish and whatnot. She marries Salmon and, you know, she gives birth to a little boy. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Boaz. Boaz marries a young lady by the name of Ruth. And it goes on and on. Boaz, he fathers a young boy by the name of Obed. Obed, later in life, fathers a, a young boy by the name of Jesse. Old Jesse. Jesse fathers a young man by the name of David. King David. A man who wasn't perfect, but he had a heart for God. And by the way, the story doesn't end at David. It goes on. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 1. It goes on and on and on and on. Until in a little tiny manger in a place called Bethlehem, we find Mary and Joseph the little baby boy come down from heaven in the fullness of time. That's what the Bible says. God sent his son in the fullness of time. Hold on, God. you got to be kidding me. Hold on. I get it. Your, your grace covers sin. I get it. Your grace offers hope. But are you telling me that your grace brings real change? Yeah. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look. This woman who the world had cast off. This woman who the world looked at for how she lived at one time and continued to remember as a harlot. I took that woman and I did some amazing, incredible things through her life. Why? All the way back to Hebrews 11. Because harlot Rahab was a woman of faith. God's grace brings real change. That's what His grace does for you and I, just as it did for Rahab. That's what His grace does. Here she is, the great-great-grandmother of King David, and in the ancestral line of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know where you're at today, what you're faced with, but I know that there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And he wants to give you some of his supernatural power. That's what he gave to Sarah. Sarah didn't believe God. God said, yes, you're going to have a child. 
And Sarah said, no, he's just joking. It's been all these years, and, and they keep on telling me the same old thing. And you remember when he's sitting outside the tent, the Bible says that Sarah actually laughed. And then a year later, we find she wasn't laughing anymore. She was very much pregnant and about to deliver a child. Maybe you need some strength today. Not a strength that the world gives you. That strength will fade away. You can pump all the iron you want. You can run all the, all, the, all the sprints you want. You can get physically fit all you want. But if you're not strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, you'll be no, you'll be, you'll be no match for what's outside these doors. So I beg you, right now, we got two weeks before we celebrate Friend Day. Some of y'all are scared to invite your friends. Maybe you say, God, give me power. Give me courage to invite my friends to come and to hear about a place called heaven. Because I don't want my friends to be without you. And so, Lord, give me strength. Give me courage to invite my friends. Maybe you need strength for some battle that you're facing. The very first song that we sang this morning was the fact that the battle belongs to the Lord. That's what David knew. You remember when he goes up against Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, I believe it's in verse number 47, he charges fast and furiously, and he says, the battle is the Lord's. The Lord is going to deliver this giant into my hand. Maybe you need God to deliver some giants today. Maybe you need, maybe you need some peace. Maybe you need to just commit yourself to walk with God. Maybe you just need to obey God and to surrender to God. Whatever it is in your life, I open up the invitation. We open up this altar. It's a place of acknowledgement, not a place of embarrassment for us as weak people to do business with a strong, strong God. I pray that you'll make use of this time. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the message that you have given us today. God, help us to absorb it. Help us to take it. Help us to apply it to our very lives. We'll be careful to give you the praise. For it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. And for his sake, amen.